Good morning. He is risen, risen indeed. You're supposed to say risen indeed. He is risen. I can't tell you how wonderful it is to look out and see all of your smiling faces. It's so wonderful to have you all here with us on this Easter Sunday morning. I have a few announcements. Immediately following worship service today, there will be an Easter egg hunt for the children on the front lawn. Thank you uh, to all who donated candy. Your altar flowers that are here and, um, and on the cross today, there is a list in the bulletin. If you ordered those and you are here, please take those home after service today. Lillian Faith Meeting is on Tuesday, April 11th. You'll be discussing Mother's Day and the plans for the fall rummage sale. Our finance committee will be meeting this coming Saturday, April 15th from 9 to 11 in the youth room. That's an important meeting for our finance committee. Save the date on May 6th, we're having a cleanup day here at church. On May 7th, we're having a fiesta day. We're planning a fiesta Sunday on May 7th. Bring your sombreros or maracas. I have some of those in the costume room, just in case you wanna know. For a great time, more information to follow. Uh, rummage sales coming up, that's in your bulletin. Safe sanctuary and nursery um, training is being planned. We still need help in the nursery, so you'll be receiving emails about that. And our blessing box outside can always use some additional items in there. Pastor? Before our worship begins here this morning, let us read from scripture, the story of this day. And so we read from Matthew. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. When their violent earthquake took place, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, he has risen. Just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he is risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid and yet filled with joy, and ran to tell the disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There, they will see me. The Lord is risen. Happy Easter. Now, if you'll please quiet your hearts and minds as we prepare for worship with the lighting of our candles, the carrying in of our processional cross, and the prelude. <laughs>
Please join me in the call to worship this morning. Lord, my God, I called to you for help. And you healed me. You, Lord, brought me up from the realm of the dead. You spared me from going down to the pit. Sing the praises of the Lord, you, his faithful people. Praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only a moment. But his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. Please join me in the congregational prayer. Risen Lord, you have conquered death itself. The Roman guards could not keep you. The stone could not keep you. And the grave could not hold you. You are risen and full of life everlasting. Glory to God in the highest. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, good morning, church. And hello to those online. It's great to be with you and worship with you on this wonderful, beautiful, absolutely gorgeous uh, Easter Sunday. And it's so great to be with you all. I saw so many uh, happy faces singing those songs just a minute ago. It's hard not to sing Up From the Grave of Rose without a big smile on your face, is it? And uh, glad to see everybody's feeling it this morning. That feels great. We are going to continue to worship here today. And to do so, we're going to be doing that in a time of prayer. Uh, I do want to mention to you, if you haven't been with us uh, before, I do want to mention that we do love uh, praying for your prayer requests. So if uh, you have a prayer request, whatever it is, you can send that in. So the best way to do that is through prayer at groveportumc.org. That's an email. It will go out to all of our email chain, and we'll make sure that you get prayed for. There's also in your uh, bulletins a little card there. You can even mark it up with your prayer request, turn those in, and it will, uh, we'll get that out as well. I do want to mention to you also that print in your bulletin are our prayer request for the week. And so, of course, we do want to turn our attention to that. You can find those there. Um, we're pretty much up to date on most of the prayer requests that we see. So, of course, we want to continue to pray for these. Especially we want to pray for those uh, that we want to extend our sympathies. And so we extend our sympathies to the extended family of Fred Green, as well as uh, to uh, the family of, of uh, two dear friends of Alyssa Villers in a short time frame. We want to pray for them as well. You see our other prayer concerns there? Uh, we do continue to lift those up. As far as long-term care, we do always want to lift up those uh, still struggling. So we pray for Jack, Carol, Annabelle, Charlotte, Bette, Reverend Meredith, Kay, Barb, and also uh, Anna Hall is now home uh, from on home hospice, so we want to lift her up at this time as well. We also do want to continue to pray for those in military service, and so we pray for Jake, Nicole, Matthew, Bishop, Brandon, Parker, Justin, and James. Final thing I want to mention here to you uh, is that the altar is open. I know there's some flowers. Uh, get ready to sneeze if you come up this way because it's a little pollinated, but uh, if you do want to come up to spend some time with God, you're welcome to do that. There's some space. You can do that by coming to the altar rail, either kneeling or uh, standing. There's also the front pew available as well. Uh, in our church, just so you know, we have a tradition of not letting you come to the altar alone. We will have some friends come alongside you, place their hand upon you, and uh, that you go to the, uh, the Lord's altar, that is, and to his throne room. Uh, we go together as a family. And so just to let you know that's here today. But all that being said, let's now go to the Lord in a time of prayer. Try. 
our Lord Jesus Christ, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. As we gather this morning, and remember that we're not only Christians here in this one building, but all across the globe, praises have been shouted to your name, exclaiming that you are risen in all sorts of languages, in all sorts of places. And Lord, it's such a pleasure to be part of this family of God, for our turn to come and to give this hour to you, to really bless you, Lord. Not only retell and relive this story once again, but also, God, may your spirit envelop all of us, live inside our hearts, breathe new life into these very dry bones, that, God, each of us could know that everlasting life here and now. Lord, we do remember this story of Jesus Christ in this Passion Week especially. How, God, you gave yourself up, you were arrested, that you were taken before criminal convictions, and that you were sentenced to death that you were brought up on the place of the skull, and that when you were placed there and crucified there, you cried out your last words. You were then laid in a tomb. And on this third day, Lord, we remember the great triumph of victory, that up from the grave you arose, that you live here and now, and you sit at the right hand of the Father. And we remember the rest of the story, how you promised the Holy Spirit, it came upon your church and it's been driving us and comforting us and empowering us throughout centuries. That God, once again, we find your spirit here in this place. Lord, for all that are here that want to receive it, Lord, may we receive the gift of the spirit once again, live and breathe in our hearts. This is our story, Lord, and it's above every other story of our life. No matter what somebody would tell us, no matter what we go through, no matter how it treats us and how badly it becomes, we look to you and we remember your story. Because, God, we know that in faith in you is our only hope. God, as we're here, we do know that even in the midst of having life eternal, there's still the bumps and bruises of this world. That this ocean that we are on, so to speak, will constantly rock us and tilt us and turn us. And so we do take time, Lord, to pray for those who need comfort here today. God, we pray for those who are sick, those who have been given bad news by the doctors. We pray for those who mourn and look for the loss of a loved one. We pray, Lord, for those who are going through all sorts of difficulties, whether it be financial or loss of a job. We pray, Lord, for those that are trying to make ends meet. We pray for relationships that can be broken. We pray for people that are around the world and separated from their families. We pray for our first responders. We pray especially for those who are separated through war, through tragedy, through famine, through plague, that have been separated from one another. And we pray, Lord, for the uniting once again. God, we lift up those who are hungry. We lift up those who have addictions. We lift up those, Lord, who just have all sorts of burdens upon them. God, we know in our own strength we don't have enough. But we hand these to you. Place them in your hands. And trust, Lord, that you will guide us as we do our best to follow you. Lord, for those that come this morning to seek your special touch, may you be upon them. May you bless them and hold them and keep them and work in their life and their hearts and their spirit. And here and now, Lord, that they may find comfort, that your spirit could rest upon them. And no matter what they're going through or what they face, that you would answer their prayer. Finally, God, we pray for the prayer requests that come before you every week that we name here again. Be with them, answer them, and in your own good way, do a good work. 
Finally, God, we pray that prayer that marks us as your followers when you instructed your followers what to pray. And so we pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Come to the place in our service today where we talk about giving back to the church and giving back to God. We have several ways you can contribute to Groveport United Methodist Church. We have an online um, app that is available through our website. It's the Ezekiel Giving Program. Um, we have an offering plate, uh, I believe, in the back, and we are also going to pass the plates today. We've just recently gone back to that. You can also always mail a check here to Groveport United Methodist Church at 512 Main Street in Groveport. So at this time, would the ushers please come forward?
May we realize afresh today what your death and resurrection mean for us. Forgiveness, freedom, and the ability to walk with you through this fallen world into eternity. May we always find our satisfaction in you and your willingness to offer yourself to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Today's scripture reading comes from the book of John, chapter 20, verses 1 through 9. Will you please stand for the reading of the gospel as you are able. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. <clears throat> Up from the grave he arose. Come on, church! With the mighty triumph for his foes. He arose, the victor of the dark domain, and he reigns forever with his saints to reign. He arose, he arose, hallelujah, Christ arose. Oh, it is so sweet and it never gets old, does it? Good morning, church. It is great to be with you. Good morning, those that are joining us online. You better have been singing too now. If you didn't, you need to rewind. Go and sing with us because it is the Lord's Day. It is wonderful Easter Sunday where once again, no matter what we've been through in life, no matter what we've even done or what sin has entangled us or what divisive things have come across our life, we remember this is the end of our story. We remember that someone has cared for us so much that our life is eternal if we have faith in him. And then, no matter what trials and tribulations we go through, the end of our story is set. And so we can have hope no matter what we're going through here and now because, as so proclaimed to us, he lives. Thank you, choir, for doing that for us this morning. Well, it is Easter Sunday, and our sermon is titled, Not Seeing is Believing. But first, let us pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of all of our hearts, be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, I love the idea when the unexpected happens. I don't know if you guys like this. There's something in my personality that when spontaneous, unexpected things happen, even if they're sometimes bad, I'm like, that's actually kind of fun and cool, right? It's just actually kind of a neat thing. And one of my favorite shows to ever watch um, on any, any time frame, anywhere, anything, was the old show that's no longer with us, may peace be upon it, called Mythbusters. That's right. You, I, 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 everybody here knows Mythbusters. You know what I'm talking about, right? right? So these were some dudes that basically got together and said, hey, there's all these phrases we have in the world. Like, let's try them out and see if we can do them. So like, if you ever wondered, needle in a haystack, for instance. 
how hard is it really to find a needle in a haystack? Well, these dudes said, well, let's actually do it and film it and then actually put it on TV. And so that's what they did. They would do stuff like this all the time. And oftentimes they found out just really wonderful, unexpected things. One of my unexpected things I've ever, ever seen was uh, this little experiment that I did. And this wasn't the two normal guys, you know, there was like Adam, and I, don't even, I can't remember the other guy's name off the top of right here right now, but there was Adam and the other guy. And then there was like three other little kind of other people that they sort of were the filler parts of the show. And so they would do their own little experiment while the big experiment was going on with the two main guys. But the three, guy, the three other people, there was two guys and a girl, and they would go and just do other little fun little experiments. And so one day they decided, let's just, let's just try out this thing. Let's put a bull in a china shop, right? Let's do it. And of course, like, this was just, they knew what was going to happen. It was just going to be great TV. You're just going to watch things smash and explode. And just, you know, the American inside of us that just loves to play with firecrackers goes, yes, China exploding all over with bulls in a pen. This is great. And so, of course, that's what they do. They get a bullpen, you know, car, get the bullpen. They set up these, you know, fake little shelving units. And they go buy a bunch of cheap china, you know, and they set it all on there. And, and uh, they get this one bull just riled up, right? Ready to go, ready to go. Open up the gate. This bull just comes charging in, and you're just like, I mean, it's just, it's right going to happen. You see this thing just going, taking its horns and just going straight through those china pieces. It nimbly goes around them. It keeps running. It weaves in and out of the different china-like bookshelves, if you will, not touching a single one. And they just go, well, that was unexpected. They go, all right, but this is, we're filming TV. We got to make this happen. So they're like, so they got two bulls. They're like, all right, if there's two in there, they got to dodge each other. Like, surely this is just going to be pandemonium chaos. So they send the two bulls in, right? And they're both charging. And all they did was follow each other, nimbly dodging in and out every single one of the bookshelves, touching not a single one, not even... Not even like the hair on their tail is even hitting the thing, right? And, uh, and so they're like, this is incredible. So they go and they're like, all right, forget this. We're going to get like five or six of these suckers. We're going to get them riled up. We're going to throw them in there. And the whole thing's going to be mass pandemonium. So they do this. They throw them in there. And they're all just running around. You can see this on TV. I mean, they're just running around like crazy. They don't touch a single thing, right? <laughs> Full in a china shop. And they go, this myth is busted. And if I remember correctly, I think one of their hooves like finally caught like a little plate and knocked it off and barely cracked the thing. And they were like, yeah, TV, it's crazy. Like, what's going on? But there are always unexpected things in unexpected ways. And in fact, we look at this story, and the unexpected, of course, happens. Because as you know, and I know, that when dead people die, or people, not dead people die, because dead people are dead. But when people die, and they're put in, that would be quite an amazing miracle, wouldn't it? But when people die, they stay dead, correct? Right? right? This is an assumption that I hope you've made by now. If you haven't, let me just introduce the idea to you, right? That when people die, they stay dead. And when you put them in a tomb, they stay in the tomb. And of course, what does our story tell us here today in the Gospel of John? I've, this year, I've been focusing on the Gospel of John in different ways in my own personal life. So I wanted to preach from John's version of the, the resurrection and Jesus and what happens on that day. And there were so a few things that I just kind of noticed this year that uh, God's been speaking to me that I want to share with you. And it's just amazing because, you know, John and Peter are in the story. Mary Magdalene, of course, is in the story. And all three of them fully expect Jesus to be in the tomb. Mary Magdalene gets up early, and I love it because John, again, we talked about this morning at our sunrise service, but John actually tells us it was dark just in case you want to know, right? <laughs> and just in case you didn't know that, and so he reminds us that Mary Magdalene gets up, it's dark at night, she goes and she expects to just kind of meet the soldiers there and do that thing, and remember Jesus, cry some more. 
But she gets there. And as the scripture says, once again, it says those words that she went to the tomb and saw the stone had been removed from the entrance. And of course, Jesus wasn't there. So, you and I would make the first natural correlation just like she did. Somebody has stolen the body, right? Someone's taken the body. That's exactly what she does. She comes running up. She finds uh, Peter and John, who must have been hanging out, crying on each other's shoulders. And if she finds him and says, hey, he's gone. He's not there. Somebody took the body. And they go, what? And so they go running. And God, the Gospel of John, he's trying to be kind of humble here. But he, he happens to mention casually that he outran Peter. Wink, wink, right? But he outruns Peter, gets to the tomb, and sees it's open. And it says that he bent down and looked in. And when he, he doesn't enter, but he looks in and he's just stuck in awe because there is something unexpected there. Because technically, the tomb, according to John, was not actually empty. You see, the tomb actually had something in it, but it was the linen strips that were used for the burial are laying there <laughs> where a body should be, right? And he looks and he also sees the burial shroud that goes over the head is there as well. And he's just in shock. Peter, of course, catches up. Peter sees. Peter's Peter. So Peter just walks on in. You know, why not walk into a dead person's tomb? You know, like, why, be why not be unclean and all these other ideas for the Jewish people? But he walks on in and sees what's going on. John says, then he goes in and he says, as he looks closer, not only are the linen strips laying there, but Jesus has done laundry. He's taken, it says specifically, the shroud that was over his head was taken and folded up and placed there. I don't know how many dead bodies you've stolen from graves, but you normally don't unwrap the linen body if you're going to do that, and you definitely don't take time to fold the burial shroud that was over the head. You know what I'm saying? Like, just doesn't come naturally to think to do that. And yet Peter and John and Mary Magdalene witnessed this extraordinary event <laughs> that takes place. And I love this. They haven't seen Jesus yet, according to the Gospel of John, and it says that when John saw it, he saw these items sitting there and no Jesus. He didn't quite fully understand it, but it says these words, he believed. In other words, you and I are kind of in a culture, right, where seeing is believing, right? You got to see it to believe it. You got to see it to believe it. And of course, because how many things are so you know, fake and all those different things, and of course, with wonderful AI computer imagery, you never know what's real anymore at all from a picture. You got to see it with your own eyes to believe it. And John tells us that it was what he didn't see. Matter of fact, it was not seeing in which he believed. I find that story so amazing because to put faith in something that you expect to be there and is not there, and yet Jesus hasn't even showed up yet, and of course he finally does and get the rest of the story, right, of what happens, and he shows up, meets the disciples, shows up Mary Magdalene, does all these different things, and what happens, of course one of the disciples isn't there, Right? Remember Thomas? We have this doubting Thomas that's not there when he shows up. And, and so the, all the disciples have seen Jesus. Thomas shows up after this, after Jesus left, and they go, We saw the Lord! Thomas goes, Eh, yeah, no. No, no, no. Right? And I love this dichotomy of John who sits there and just sees some strips of linen laying there and is like, I believe in something. I don't, don't quite fully understand this, but I'm going to believe in something. And then Thomas, who's sitting there hearing the testimony of his brothers he's walked with for years now, saying, no, no, he's alive. We touched him. 
He's got holes in the hand. We touched him. We know he's alive. He is alive. We're telling you this. And he goes, nope, not until I see it. Of course, what happens? Jesus, as you know the rest of the story, shows up and says, hey, Thomas, put your hands in my hands. Touch the holes. And of course, Thomas exclaims, my God. And Jesus explains once again, and he tells these words that you know you believe because you saw me. Blessed are all those who do not see me yet believe. And it's so amazing because so many times in my life and your life, you've probably had those moments of trial, those moments of horrible things going on, and you say, God, why don't you just show up? Now, I have to admit real quickly, um, preachers love to preach, and they love Easter Sunday. I could go on for hours, but you guys smartly put all the flowers right behind me. And my nose is getting itchy, my eyes are starting to water, my voice is getting hoarser, I can tell it as a guy goes on. So we're going to have a, uh, a condensed two-hour sermon here just today, just so you know. <clears throat> but if I sneeze a couple times coming up, I apologize for the front row people here today. But as there, we're there in this idea that not, not seeing is sometimes believing. Sometimes Jesus doesn't show up the way you think he would, and so many times we go through the trials of life, and we wonder, where Jesus are you? Just show up in my life. And yet sometimes, that's exactly where the miracle takes place. It's not always evident that God is sometimes there. And in fact, you know, if you thought to yourselves right now, if, if Jesus came into this room and said, hey, <clears throat> disciples, I want you. You're going to go out this afternoon, skip your lunch plans, just skip them. You're going to go out today, I want you to find some people, and I want you to tell them that I'm risen and alive. What would be your argument, right, to go and to tell somebody, right? If you stop and think about that, it's so interesting because each and every single person in this room, we have never literally seen Jesus, yet we believe. And I find it so interesting that, you know, John didn't just blindly believe, but he saw evidence, and he saw enough evidence to have faith. If someone was here today and said, hey, Christian, prove your faith, what, may, what case can you make for those of us that don't believe that you should believe, you know, what would you say? What's the, what's the linens in your life? What's the shrouds in your life? And you look to you and say, oh, no, I know my Lord is risen. I know it. Well, if you've never thought about these things, I want to just kind of maybe suggest a few to think about. And if you're here today, and especially anybody online or anybody with us that's here today, and maybe you sit here and you go, you know, this whole Christian story, it's really nice, but it's a fairy tale. Let me just poke your interest a little bit. For those here that you're just thinking about next time you're sharing with somebody and they just seem a little hostile, just some things to just prick your brain and to think about. Some linens, some shrouds that are laying in an empty tomb that you can say, well, what do you do with this? Because the dead man's not here, right? There's only really one explanation. Well, I want to just introduce you to a couple ideas. You know, the first was just this morning when we were out seeing the, the sunrise come over the, the horizon line. Have you sat in creation for a while lately? I mean, the birds were chirping. They were going to town this morning. They were singing songs of praise. It was some of the most beautiful music I've heard. I mean, choir, no offense. I mean, you guys have beautiful music. It was, yours was prettier. But I'm just saying, just sitting there and hearing it once again, and you're like, these birds are going nuts. Like, this is amazing. They're just singing out. And then the sunrise comes over, and the colors and the hues. And If our planet looked like every other planet, right, where just death was there and radiation and all these different things, 
I could see that. But you see life everywhere. You turn around, it just hits you in the face. And the beauty of it alone, it makes you wonder. There's at least some linens laying there to say, hey, you know what, maybe this God does exist. Or maybe there's someone in your life who you really respected. And they were a believer, and they lived it out. You know, it's so funny because most of the time when I talk to people and their story of how they became a, a, you know, a believer in Jesus Christ, it's almost always because they knew someone that was so meaningful to them and lived the life and just had such a joy in their life. They were like, I got to have what they have. I got to have it. And in fact, that's the very person that led them to Jesus Christ in and, and so many ways. But maybe you have someone in your life that you respected enough and believe there was something different about them and you were like, I just got to have it. Well, there's your evidence right there. What was so attractive about them? What was so enamoring about them? What was something inside them that you needed? There's some linens laying there. Or, of course, we have Scripture, and even though people would try to write it off, but just think about this. This is, this, this is not just a book, right? This is not just a book. Just a reminder, this is a collection of books from multiple languages, from multiple centuries, like tens of thousands of centuries, writing in this book of different people in different places, Sometimes they were feasting. Sometimes they were in famine. Sometimes they were free. Sometimes they were enslaved. Sometimes God was doing amazing things. Sometimes they wondered where God was. Yet this is a complete story of all these different eyeballs, all these different hearing you know, ears, and all these people's hearts that had lived, and they testify, God is real. God was in my life. God showed up. I want you to know enough about it that I wrote it down so you could read it. And even though there's tension in Scripture of some of these verses that talk and kind of go back and forth with each other, but there's still a grand witness. And when you look at these four Gospels, they tell the story of Jesus and his resurrection. That's evidence number one. Then you got you know, 24 other books of the Bible in the New Testament that not only proclaim that Jesus is raised from the dead, but you should go out and do something about it, right? And then you've got the other Old Holy Testament books that are there that basically, if you ever just read through them, you're going to see Jesus left and right. I mean, they foretell this story of Jesus Christ over and over and over again. How does all that come about? You see, there's a witness and a lying there on the grave. Or one of these other things is, you know what, you can always just put into practice his teachings and try them out. Jesus had a lot of, hey, do this. Try it out. If there's blessing, there might be something there. Or finally, and most importantly for today, if Jesus is alive, it means he's alive. And if he's alive, then he has conquered death. We should probably have the power to do anything he wants. And in fact, when you read his teachings, he promises something. And he says, you know what? I want to be part of your life. I came to bring redemption to all people. In fact, maybe the most amazing thing that you can always point to is the fact that not only Jesus is alive is this crazy idea, and I know it's super crazy for anybody in here who struggles with is God real or not, but it's this idea is not just to know that God is real, but you can know him. As in have a relationship with him. As in you can pray and feel like someone's on the other end of the phone call. You can have God's spirit live in your heart. You can have this idea of the Holy Spirit working through you, enabling faith actions in your life to do amazing things. And faith enables this. See, Christians, Jesus is alive. Maybe one day he'll just walk through these doors, show up. But until then, you have linens 
You have shrouds. You have enough to believe. You have enough to follow. And so as Jesus is alive here today, let us do our best to once again proclaim this great story, live it out, and share his love with all people of every place and every time. Let us pray. God, as we love you so much, and once again, we are just always in awe of coming this day, of thinking about that empty tomb and how you rose from the dead. God, as we're here, we take joy in your triumph. For you hold the keys of death and Hades. And because of your work, we proclaim, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Your victory, O Christ, is eternal in the heavens. Amen. I want to invite the communion stewards to come forward at this time. And as they're coming, we remember that on the night in which Christ gave himself up for us, Christ took the bread and broke the bread and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. As often as you eat this, do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is the cup of my new covenant, poured out for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. And so, Lord, in these your mighty acts, we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us. May you be upon these gifts of bread and wine, that they may be for us the body and blood of Christ. All honor and glory is yours, Father Almighty, Jesus, his Son, and Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen. As we prepare the table here, I just want to say a couple of quick reminders. First of all, you don't have to be a member of this church. You don't have to be a member of this denomination. If you're here today and you want to meet with Jesus Christ, you're welcome to come and take communion with us. What you'll do is you'll just come on down these two aisles here, just rip off a piece of the bread, and then you can dip it into the juice and take communion that way. If you prefer, we also do have some prepackaged elements that are here, and so you're welcome to take those as well. We'll start just kind of in the back and come forward and uh, you come forward as you will and as you're led, and then uh, you'll return to your seats. May the Lord bless us as we eat this table together.
And let us pray. Lord, thank you for your love that's been proven to us again. Amen. And now please stand as you're able and sing our traditional closing hymn for Easter Sunday, He Lives.
Amen. Amen. <laughs> well, just a reminder real quickly, we're going to have a, a fun little Easter egg hunt on the front yard here for our kiddos. So we're not quite ready, but you're going to meet in that kind of that part of the room back here because uh, we've got to get all the nursery down and all that good stuff. So stay tight, hang out, and we'll be uh, with you just shortly. Uh, for all those that want to go out and watch, you're welcome to go out and hang out. But you can't take any eggs. Don't, I'm watching you. So uh, I know, darn, I know. Okay, well, church, beloved people of God, why do you look for the Lord among the dead? He is risen. And may the Lord be risen in your hearts and minds to everlasting souls. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.